Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to Ask a Clean Person, the podcast on ACAST. I'm Jolie Care, a cleaning expert, advice columnist, and author of the New York Times bestselling book, My Boyfriend Barfed in My Handbag, and Other Things You Can't Ask Martha. You should send your questions about cleaning or anything else, really, to JolieCare at gmail.com. You guys, I have something really special and pretty different for the show to round out Let's All Make Our Beds 2019. This is the last episode of La Mob 2019, and it is the second part of a two-part episode that I've been doing uh, with Unfuck Your Habitat's Rachel Hoffman about the intersection of mental health cleaning in our beds. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Welcome back. I, well, welcome back. You guys were... <laughs> This is a double session. We're st- we haven't moved. We haven't moved. <laughs> um, if you haven't already listened to episode 160, uh, I'm going to kick you back to go listen to that. Um, but I'm also going to say the same thing that I opened that episode with, uh, just in case you did skip over that one and made it right here to episode 161. Uh, these two episodes, um, as I said, are pretty different for the show in that the tone will be much heavier and more serious than what you're used to. Um, because of that and because of some of the topics that we're planning to discuss, it's appropriate for me to give a trigger warning for depression, anxiety, suicide, and hoarding. And also to suggest that if you do want to listen, but know that it might be difficult for you to do so, that you wait to put it on uh, until you're in a private space or someplace where you you feel comfortable or a time when you feel comfortable uh, to maybe feel some some pretty intense feelings. Uh, Before we get into it, I want to remind you guys that I offer bonus episodes and all sorts of other cool rewards to my premium subscribers. If you would like to help underwrite my show and listen to Chip Chat by becoming an Ask a Clean Person, the podcast patron, go to patreon.com slash askacleanperson to help support my show. I really appreciate the support, um, especially for for these two episodes. I can't believe we got through the first episode without me weeping. I almost did. <laughs> I was tearing up a little bit, I'm uh, yeah, going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, and I think actually we're... Well, I think we're going to be good with this one, too. I think we're doing okay. Um, I think we're going to be good with this one. I don't know. The, the, the main question we have is very moving. Um, I might cry on someone else's behalf. Um, but if you guys find these shows helpful um, and you are interested in supporting my show, I do really appreciate the help. It's $2 a month on Patreon. Um, it really does help to support the work that I do. Um, and I'm and I'm a little more comfortable asking on this particular episode because this, this has been a lot a real challenge for me to do these um episodes with you i'm glad that we are though i think it's really important i do too yeah. um and i and i feel i feel really good about what we're doing i hope it helps people i hope it does too and i think you know it's at this point too i'm a little bit like curious like is there something about mental illness that draws us to doing what we do you know that that we both have so much in common as far as that's concerned you know and and so clearly there is a link you know, between mental health and, and cleaning yeah, um, that we've managed to tap into at least a little bit for ourselves. Yeah, I think so. Well, and I think also probably if you're a person who struggles with mental health issues, it it necessarily or not necessarily, but but for, for the most part means that you've spent a lot of time um, thinking about how to help yourself and that can beget wanting to impart 
your knowledge onto others. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, and that's kind of, you know, that's sort of how Unfuck Your Habitat came about, too, was saying, OK, there's really not any resources for people like me who, you know, if you spend three days in bed in a depressive episode, like, how do you how do you keep your your house from falling down around you? Um, you know, because it's something that not everybody talks about, you know, and not yeah. everybody acknowledges that this is the reality for so many of us, you know, that we we get into these circumstances where, you know, it feels like your life is kind of taking control of you. Um, and so I figured, you know, once I figured out how it worked for me, I, I really did want to be able to share that with people and to say, listen, it's possible. You know, it's it's everything feels kind of hopeless from time to time, <laughs> but it is possible to come out on the other side yeah. and and not be surrounded by your own filth, you know, which, right. which is, you know, which, it's a tough thing when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's real. And I think um, that that actually segs right into something that I that I wanted to to sort of open this episode talking about um, that being being a person who suffers from from depression or anxiety or any host of mental health issues um, can be very isolating and very lonely. Mm. And even though we in in 2019, we are told uh, we're given positive messages that, um, you know, you are not alone in this, that depression is not something to be ashamed of or embarrassed of. It's a disease just like any other disease. The reality is, is that Sometimes we don't always really believe that, even though we're told that. I mean, I I know, I know, rationally, right? But that that's the case. But I don't yeah, always feel that. Doesn't feel that way sometimes. I don't always feel that. I often feel um, ashamed or embarrassed mm-hmm. um, of my own limitations. Um, that even this is a thing. Um, I often feel very guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I have so many? blessings is like such an overused term but like I really my life is so blessed I I have this great job and I have wonderful friends and I have a great family and I you know I I have a I have a tremendous amount of privilege in my life and and you're like what right do I have to be depressed all the time right but but I think you know having people be more open about it it makes you realize it's not a matter of you know what you deserve or what you have have earned it's more of just this is how it is and and there's so many people who are in that situation we just don't talk about it you know we just we're not as honest about it as we should be exactly and that's that makes things very difficult because it's very isolating yeah it is so that actually that leads me right into i this this first thing isn't actually a question um it's a it's a little bit so you guys know i i try um not to like overdo it on the like jolie you're so great on the show although i (laughs) i came right at a point where I had been treated so badly by so many people professionally that I like made an announcement on this show. It was probably about a year ago um, where I was like, I'm including the praise. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need it. I deserve it. <laughs> um, but I actually wanted to share something um, that, that a, a listener wrote to me. It was really, really nice. And I think that it, it has, um, I know that it has to do with this episode. But then she also had a tip that doesn't have to do with mental health, but that I just wanted to share because it was funny. And, um, the second, the, the main question that we have for this episode um, is very heavy. And so I at least wanted to open with something that was a little light. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read this little, this little nice note that Lex sent me. She said, hi, Jolie. First off, thanks so much for the podcast. You have legit changed my life in so many ways. And as someone who also struggles with her mental health, it's really inspiring to see you being a bad bitch slash, slash boss bitch while also being open about your struggles. Um, so Lex, I wanted to just say thank you so much. I, you know, 
uh, one, it, I'm always very, very touched by how kind you are to me um, and very touched by how much of an impact I have on your lives. I, you know, it's sort of a wild thing, um, but I'm, I'm very, I'm always very moved um, by the experience of doing this job and how real it is for, for you guys and for me. Um, it also really does help to talk about it. Um, you know, as I said, it, it is nothing to be ashamed of, but so many of us are, and we shouldn't be. We should all uh, be doing our best to talk ourselves out of that that mindset. Um, and then I also want to say this, though. Um, there is, for me, and I think, Rachel, you probably have this, too, there's a line to walk um, with what how much you share mm. because we're public figures. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I don't have any answers to it. I just want to acknowledge that it's a thing um, that I I have to think about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously, I'm a very sherry person. Right. And <laughs> even even as much as I do share these days about my own mental health struggles, you know, there's always a moment I have where I wish I could take it back. You know, where I'll say something and I'll say, oh, oh, I feel like that was too much. Like, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have said that. Right. But for me, hearing this kind of feedback, you know, hearing people say I'm in the exact same position, you know, it almost feels it almost feels irresponsible not to talk about it sometimes because, you know, if if people can understand that they are not the only person going through this, to me, that makes that makes the little bit of discomfort that I feel worth it. Yeah. Um, but there is, you know, I have I have some some sort of limits as to what I will and won't talk about yep. as far as my life goes, yeah. um, you know. But but this particular thing is not something that I I try not to second guess it too often because there are so many people in the same boat, and you know, it, it's it's no different than if somebody is is talking about how they live their life with diabetes or how they live their life with heart disease or how they live their life, you know, in with any other medical condition, um, you know, it's it's sort of we always talk about reducing the stigma and removing the stigma yeah. from this sort of thing. Right. And and I don't think we're necessarily there yet. I think we're we're well on our way. But I think the more of us who can be a little bit more upfront about it, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that I I liked, especially about this notice that like, you know, guys, listen, I am a boss bitch. <laughs> like, you know, no, no, no joke. Um. I also have this thing and that those those two facts can coexist. Oh, my Tinder tots are texting me right now. Like, <laughs> I, yes, I am a boss bitch. I'm in the middle of work. I'm getting texts from 25 year olds who want to take me out on dates. Um, it's so hard to be here, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I just I want to acknowledge that, you know, I think the the. This is a term that's used often about, you know, sexuality um, and, and gender um, issues, but I think it also is a term that really applies to mental health issues. That representation is important. Mm. It's important to know that, like, yeah, the clean person, Jolie Care, like, is also, you know, often can't can't haul herself out of her very tidy bed, you know, yep. like, because yeah, sometimes I just really fall apart. Um, and things, they, you know, and and not even super long ago for me, you know, things were really, really, really very dark for me. Um, and, you know, I really was not totally sure that I was going to make it. And I did. I'm glad I did. Um, although I, I'll say last week, as we were, I told Rachel this, <laughs> I had just one really, you know, usually my episodes kind of um, 
they last for you know sort of a period of a few months mm-hmm. uh and some days are really bad and some days are okay and that's that kind of thing um and things have been more or less okay for the past couple of months for me um but i last wednesday had just i don't know what wires got tripped in me um i had woke i actually do know a little bit um i i in the early morning i had a terrible and very vivid nightmare mm-hmm. um uh, that a close friend of mine was killed in a car accident. It was, I mean, it was so vivid. Like I could describe all of it for you. I'm not going to. Um, and I woke up and I think the nightmare had just tripped a wire and I could not pull myself together. I mean, I was like, it, it was, it was a very, very bad episode to the point where I, I mean, really was, I mean, beyond beyond fantasizing about suicide, like I really was like, I'm I have to kill myself. I can't continue to live this way. I survived it. Mm-hmm. I'm here uh, <laughs> four days later. Um, actually, you know what I did? Um, it was one of those days where I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't stop crying. Mm. I couldn't leave the house. Um, and I actually did. Oh, well, the problem was I was trying to I was trying to untrip the wires by going to the gym. But I couldn't stop crying, so I couldn't put my makeup on, and I couldn't put my makeup on. I couldn't leave the house to go to the gym. It was a whole. I was tweeting it, and I tweeted about it. I was like, "Listen, I'm just gonna like level with you guys. Like, this is where I am right now." Um, I didn't eventually get the makeup on. I took a selfie of me with tears rolling down my face on my walk to the gym. Oh, people should see. Yeah, I agree. You know, like, let's see. This is my reality. Um, the gym didn't help. Gym always helps. Did not help. I sobbed on the treadmill. For an hour, sobbed on the treadmill for an hour. It was gruesome. I, I mean, I've I've gotten emotional and teared up on the treadmill, but I've never, I have never sobbed like that. Yeah, I'm usually for- just crying because I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad, and I um, so I, I I got myself back home, and um, I cooked. I cooked all the food, all the food, all the food. I made the um, tomato sauce with the five pounds of butter. Yes. Um, I made all kinds of stuff. I just, yeah, I just, that was my way of, um, and I cried and I, and while I was cooking, I was like, okay, I'm going to kill myself. This is it. This is the end of my life today. Um, and I didn't, mm-hmm. but it was, it was bad. It was a bad one. And, and, you know, I've, I've definitely been at that point before. And I think anyone who experiences the same kind of things that we do has been there at one point or another. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes your tried and true stuff doesn't work. You know, sometimes you're going to the gym doesn't work. And yeah. and and sometimes you're doing everything right and you still feel that way. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a really hard, hard part to to kind of wrap your head around that you can be doing everything you're supposed to be doing to avoid this sort of thing and still be there. So, you know, again, the the sort of giving yourself permission to do certain things or not do certain things and being very kind yeah. Oh, I'll say I also I did take the day off from work. Yeah. It was a Wednesday. Um, Wednesdays and Fridays tend to be my quiet, quieter days. I don't take them off. But um, because it was a Wednesday, I could take the day off. And I really actually for the first time and I cannot even remember how long actually took a full day off of work. Like I just I think I sent like maybe one work email. Wow. But I really did um, give myself that permission. Cause I, I what I said to myself was if you were having a migraine. Right. Or if you had the flu. Or if you had the flu, um, and this was bad. This was so physical, right? Because I couldn't stop crying. Mm-hmm. It was a physical thing. So I gave myself that permission, and and that's that's important. And that's yeah. 
you know, but it's also important. I think, you know, some people may feel uncomfortable hearing these kinds of stories or or think, you know, maybe people shouldn't share that sort of thing. But I think it is important that we do share these kinds of things so that people understand how common it is. Yeah. Um, You know, like you said, things are going fine. Things are doing well. And and you can still feel that way Mm -hmm. because your brain is messing with you. Yeah. And and that's that's really got nothing to do with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, let me let me actually put it this way. That episode happened on a Wednesday. On Thursday, I was in the studio recording episode 159 with Maureen O'Connor. You guys, go listen to that episode with Maureen O'Connor and think What's of that? it. I miss Maureen O'Connor. I'm like, Maureen's the best. Um, it was such a funny episode. It was such a funny episode that I was literally snort laughing when I was doing the edits. Like, I was laughing at our own jokes. Like, I was like, okay, Julie, like, come on with the narcissism. It was so funny. But listen to that episode through the lens of knowing that the day before I was deeply suicidal that it's it's that easy to to trip on and off and being that deeply suicidal doesn't also mean that I can't do my job I mean we I can yeah we all find ways to to get through yeah even when you're in that that mindset yeah um and you know I just I just think it's a it's a helpful way for people to understand what this thing is Mm. And how it, how it actually really looks um, in real life for so many of us. So on that note, let me let's let's <laughs> let's have a little let's, let's play it up on a little the bit. marine on the marine note because it's a little you know uh, marine and I always do the sexy episodes. Let me let me read this tip that Lex gave. It has nothing to do with depression or anything. I just want to share it, and then we're going to read um, what is a very very heavy question. Um, so <laughs> Lex goes. Uh, so the subject line of the of her email was like something about sex wife. So sex wipes. Sorry. So after <laughs> after she said, you know, thank you for being a, a bad bitch. Uh, she goes, the sex wipes. I was in a doctor's office recently and noticed that instead of the pre urine test alcohol wipes, which I do not want near my lady parts. I don't blame you. They had little Castile soap, a.k.a. your beloved Dr. Bronner's towelettes. I stole a handful. Good for you. <laughs> I stole a handful and they are so handy for individually packaged post-sex wipes. It's quickly wiping off a sex toy before you go to sleep, etc. Also, it turns out you can buy a huge box of them on Amazon for really cheap. I was excited. Maybe everyone knows about these, but I thought I'd pass it on just in case. I did not know about this. I want them. Yeah, I don't think I did either, but I'm, I'm just having a really good time right now picturing like... <laughs> It's like when your grandmother goes to the restaurant and puts all the sugar packets in her purse. Like, this is what I'm picturing right now. <laughs> it's so exactly, it's a really great mental picture. It is a great. And it's like, it's so, so perfectly true to this podcast. But like, oh, yeah, of course, my listeners are stealing the sex, sex wipes. wipes. <laughs> Love it. Love you guys. Lex, thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you for the tip. I wanted to share that with you guys. I will also say one of one of the like, um, one of the big like um, signifiers for me, like, I was actually thinking in the last episode when you were talking about the grout, mm-hmm. um, I was like, do I have anything where like I it's like a flag for me that I'm in a weird, weird, like getting mental into place, a bad yeah. mental health space. It's when my sex drive dies. Hmm. Yeah. That's a way more interesting than my grout. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Joelish. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So uh, now that we've had some fun and um, been a little lighthearted, uh, we are going to um, uh, share a, a very, very heavy um, listener question. I, I do want to say for you guys, this is a question about hoarding. Um, if this is going to be triggering for you and you want to tune out now, please, by all means, do so. Um, I, I found this question moving and very, very difficult. I am going to have Rachel read it, if you don't mind. So this comes in from Esmeralda. Oh, which sidebar? Yes. Uh, Esmeralda is the name that we use on the show when we are masking. Oh, I knew that. Yes. Someone's, yes. <laughs> uh, so just want to tell you guys that this is not not the um, the listener's real name yes. for you know what will be obvious reasons. Yes, I think it's, it'll be clear as to why we're using yeah. Esmeralda. Uh, so she writes, Dear Jolie, I've seen you give advice on cleaning just about anything, and I'm hoping you can help me or point me to someone who can. This is a long story, but I feel I must tell it all so that it's clear what I'm dealing with. I have been severely clinically depressed for almost my entire life ever since I was a child. A lot of things contributed to this, like perceived parental abandonment. I wasn't, but at ages six and seven, didn't see it that way, and other things I'd rather not go into. I didn't know I had been depressed for so long until I finally saw a doctor a few years ago who helped me process my childhood and adult trauma. Over the course of this literal life-saving treatment, he also figured out that I suffered from severe ADHD. It was a diagnosis that saved my life, my job, and allowed me to function like a somewhat normal human being. I had a hard time building personal and professional relationships before my depression, anxiety, and ADHD were brought under control. I would go through long periods of inactivity where all I could do was stare at my ceiling and cry. I've gone for months in the past without talking to a real-life person. I often work from home. I'm not fixed, but things are manageable, and I'm no longer, as my doctor said when he first saw me, hanging on to life by a thread. I say all this because while some things have improved, the state of my living quarters have not. I've always been a bit of a slob, but after moving away from home and into my own spaces, it has gotten steadily worse. In the decade and a half I've lived alone, I can't ever have people just drop by because my space is always a mess. Not a normal mess that might be cleaned in a day or two. I think I am a hoarder. When the show first aired, I was so relieved to see I wasn't alone, but embarrassed by the spectacle made of them. I'm embarrassed by myself, too, that I am a grown woman who can't casually have my hard-won friends drop by. I live in fear of being discovered and the judgment that will come with it. Even when I can work up the energy, which is the wrong word, I think, to make my space presentable, typically when I can't avoid someone coming inside, it never lasts. My living space is currently the worst it has ever been, and it has been that way for so long it's my new normal but I don't want it to be. I know nothing I said appears this way, but I really am trying. It just seems so futile because it always turns into a mess again. My question to you is twofold. One, how do I stop being a hoarder? How do I become the sort of person who is bothered by messes? And two, where do I start with cleaning up this mountain of a mess? There are services in my town that do hoarder cleaning, but they show up in hazmat suits and their labeled trucks, and I want to be discreet because I will feel humiliated. It's not just my vanity talking here. Intense embarrassment and humiliation is one of my triggers to the point that my brain will make up things for me to be embarrassed and anxious about. Some of my worst depressive episodes started with embarrassment that spiraled out of control. I know my limits. 
Can you help me? Oh my god, I'm so glad you read that because I'm. Uh, yeah, I was. It I'm was. It was tough. I was, yeah, I was. I was like over, oh, and also I was like. Rachel, don't look at me because I wasn't. I wasn't. You'll cry. And we'll all be crying. Oh my God. I'm so moved. I am so moved. I think that we have help. Um, Rachel is going to actually um, take the bulk of this answer on. But before she does, I want to say um, one one thing. Um, the biggest thing, and, and Rachel and I have talked about this, and she she said the same thing. We didn't even we didn't even have to discuss to have come to the same conclusion together. Um, the biggest thing to say is that you have already taken the biggest and the hardest step. You have acknowledged the problem and you have asked for help. You have asked for help. That is such a significant step. You've done even more than that. You've identified your triggers. You are clear on your boundaries. You're clear on the goals that you have for yourself. I cannot tell you how proud and impressed I am with what you've already done. And we have practical help, mm-hmm. but the most, truly the most important thing, Stop. sorry, I'm making <laughs> her cry now too, get me teared up. is to acknowledge how much you've already done. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that was, that was the, the very, very first thing um, when I read this, letter. Um, Jilly sent it to me a little while ago um, so I could kind of marinate in it for a bit and, and yeah. think about think about where I wanted to go with the answer. But reading this, honestly, you've done so much work already um, and you've done the hardest work. You know, cleaning your house is not the hardest component of this. Uh, acknowledging that it's a problem. You know, the, the, the part one of your, your question's at the end, how, you know, how do I become the sort of person who is bothered by messes? You wrote in, you, you are that sort of person. You're already there. You're already there. You're there. You, you did it. <laughs> you did the thing. Like you, you know that this is something that bothers you. You've identified why it's difficult for you to deal with. Um, you've identified, and I, and I do want to touch on the whole, the embarrassment that tr- triggers depressive episodes because that's one of my things too. Uh-huh. Um, I have, yeah, for me, it's humiliation. I have a lot of social anxiety. I have a lot of fear of humiliation. I have a lot of fear of embarrassment. Um, that's a big part of it for me. So I, I very much understand that component. Um, but honestly, there's so much in this letter that tells me that you're in exactly the right place to, to start getting this problem under control. Um, and that, you know, just taking the time to write that all out, to identify it, you know, it's, it's very, it's very self-aware. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it. You know, there's, there's no, you don't have any illusions about where you are. And I think that that's such a big thing. You, you want to make a change. Um, and that's, that's really the hardest part for, for anyone who's trying to turn things around like this is you have to want to do it. Um, it can't be you know, somebody told me to do it or, you know, I feel and yes, you know, I can't have people over is is often a motivator for people. Um, but you identifying why that is, uh, I think, is 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 so important here. Um, so the first thing that I do want to say is some of this advice, you know, there's different there's different things that will that will sort of allow you to take or not take the advice that we give here. Um, you know, my my inclination is always to start with 
what you personally can do for yourself um, without enlisting help. That's always where I start. Um, but I think that asking for help is a huge, huge part of it. Um, you know, I did see in that in the letter, you know, you do have hard won friends. You use the, the phrase hard won friends. So for me, that tells me these might be people that you can lean on, you know, if 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 you can get past the embarrassment. And and I will say your friends might already know, even if they've never been in your space, they might already know. Um, and people who really, truly care about you, if you ask them for help, will do what they can, even if what you're asking for their help with isn't really their specialty. Um, so consider whether you're in a place where you can ask someone in your social circle to help you out. And you'll you'll know who has the sort of qualities that might lend themselves to being that person, um, you know, non-judgmental, supportive, um, generally a positive outlook on things. Um, so that is always an option. It's I will fully acknowledge it's a very difficult option. It's very hard to invite somebody into that sort of environment when you're so ashamed of it. Um, but with people who are your true friends, um, who truly care about you, who truly love you, you'd be surprised at how much they're willing to do to help you. So if, if you think that there's somebody who can help, consider reaching out to them and asking because a second set of hands and a second set of eyes is always going to help. Um, but that being said, one of the, the most important things to remember is that you didn't get to this place in a short period of time. Um, you know, you say it's gotten progressively worse. It's gotten, you know, it's been a decade and a half. It's, you know, things have really spiraled out of control. So one thing that tends to happen is people suddenly wake up to what's around them. You know, you, you look around one day and say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm fed up. I can't live like this anymore. And then you expect it to get better immediately. <laughs> and that... It's the losing weight thing. Yes. That is just setting yourself up for disappointment and setting yourself up to feel like a failure. So the very, very first thing that I would encourage you to do is to understand that this is going to take some time. Um, you didn't get there overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. And even if you were to get out of it overnight, even if you had some kind of you know, complete blitz clean of your space right. and you everything. Wave a magic wand. Yeah, if if you could just say, you know, abracadabra, and everything is suddenly spotless. You know, the the, the truth of it is, it's not going to stay that way. Right. It's not going to be sustainable. It's not. It, you're you're not going to be able to keep up with that. Which you you know, in your letter, you've indicated a little bit uh, along those lines that you know you've cleaned up when people have to come into your space, but it never lasts. Um, so understanding that it's not a one-time solution either. Um, this is this is going to be something you're going to be looking at changing your habits. You're going to be looking at developing routines, um, prioritizing things differently than you have been. All of that is going to factor into it, but it's not going to be an immediate change, and it shouldn't be. Um, even if you feel like you're capable of handling everything all at once, there's something to be said for pacing yourself, you know, because as you're working to build routines and as you're working to build habits, those things take a lot of time. Um, so 
even in the very beginning, you know, it's it's what's tough about a situation like this is that everything's really bad. You know, you're you're in sort of a state of disarray everywhere. And that makes the whole thing seem completely overwhelming. That makes the whole thing seem sort of insurmountable because you're looking at this giant mess and, and you just want it all under control. So one of the things that I would suggest is stepping back a little bit and looking at smaller components of that larger mess. So for most people, where I would encourage them to start is, you know, start in your kitchen and start in your bedroom mm-hmm. um, because you need to keep yourself fed yep. <laughs> and you need to get your rest. Yeah. Um, and sort of tuning out the rest of the spaces in the beginning, I think, is a, is a good thing to do because you're not trying to conquer everything. Right. You're, you're giving yourself a chance to get some control over a smaller area and one that you spend a lot of time in. Yeah. Um, so especially for the bedroom, you know, even if, you know, it's day one, you're ready to go, you're ready to get started, set yourself a little timer. You know, I'm a yeah, big, I, I, love I, a timer. I love a timer. Um, and, and, you know, set it for 20 minutes, do what you can in 20 minutes. And if you don't know where to start, I always, my big thing is start with whatever smells bad. So, oh, that's start, so good. start yeah. with, start with dirty laundry, start with dishes, start with trash. Yep. Um, so get all of that stuff out of the way first. If you really can't figure out where to begin, that's, you know, you're never going to go wrong with that. Um, you know, work for 20 minutes, give yourself permission to stop at the end of it. That is so important to be able to say, okay, I've done that time. I'm going to stop now. Um, and, and take a little break. You know, my suggested intervals are 20 minutes of working in a 10 minute break. Um, so anyone who's familiar with unfuck your habitat knows the 2010, it's a thing. Um, Take a little break. Do something that makes you feel a little bit better, you know, whether that's, you know, spend a little time online, make a cup of tea, you know, watch something on yeah, TV, watch whatever. Bravo. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> watch some Bravo. Whatever. Put on some Taylor Swift. Whatever yeah. that happens to look like for you, um, <laughs> you know, give yourself something that's going to kind of break up the time and then you can go back to it. You know, if you're feeling good about it, if you're feeling encouraged, if you're feeling motivated, do another 20 minutes. Right. Or you don't have to. You don't have to. That's the thing is if you do that 20 minutes and you're exhausted and you're miserable and you know what? You're done. You're done. You did it. You, you did, did it. 20 minutes. You and, took out the trash. And if like, you can do if you can do that little bit periodically, you're really going to be surprised at what a difference that makes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my first so my first suggestions really boil down to narrow your focus and just get started on something for a short period of time. Right. Um, same thing, you know, in the kitchen, do some dishes. That's always dishes for me are the one thing that makes me feel like everything's out of control when I've got dirty dishes. Yes. Like that's uh, I can't manage to feel better until those are dealt with. So yeah. um, but yeah. even then, you know, if it's if it's been a particularly bad time and I've got a sink full of dishes, which sometimes I have a sink full of dishes, people, Um you know, I'll set my timer and just do 20 minutes at a time yep. and and kind of plow through it that way. Yeah. Um, another another like little incentive, especially around the, doing the dishes is um, put on a podcast. Yes. That you really you, you could listen to Ask a Clean Person. For example, for, for example, <laughs> I know. It's or great. you could listen to Watch What Crabbins. But I, you know, I, I find, you know, I've, in the in the. In the first part of this two-part episode, I talked about the gym and and the way that I motivated myself to get back into my gym routine, which was why I use this podcast that I love. Um, and I think that you you know, doing doing something that you really enjoy to go hand in hand with something mm-hmm. that maybe you're dreading um, really does help. Um, I would also say that I so 
I wanted Rachel to mostly tackle this question because this is much more in her wheel, the wheelhouse of what she does at Unfuck Your Habitat than what I do with Ask a Clean Person. Um, but in the past, I have done some of this work 100,000 years ago back at the hairpin. <laughs> um, I had a, a very similar question to this. Um, and I kind of, I, a lot of the advice was, was very, very similar. It was like, you know, first of all, s- step back and just see this as a as a longer term project than what I think you think of it as going in um, and break it into chunks. And I had like a whole little system for this particular girl. Um, but the first thing, because this is Lamov after all, so you, you know you guys know this <laughs> yeah. is coming, right? The first thing I said was the first thing that you're going to do to get this. It was her bedroom. Her bedroom was in, in complete disarray. Um, and I've seen the picture, so I can assure you that it's truly disarray. Um, I think the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to make your bed. That's it. That's the only thing. Yep. Also, day one, the only thing you're doing is making that bed. And that might mean you got to go find some sheets because I think that she didn't even have sheets on her bed. I think mm-hmm. she was literally sleeping on a mattress because she. Yeah. I mean, that ha- but that happens. That's a real that's a real thing. Um and so I was like, listen, on day one, it might mean that you got to go find sheets and put them on the bed. It might mean that you got to go do a load of laundry and put them on the bed. But like the only thing you have to do on day one is make your bed. And then every other day, you're going to make your bed every first. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll, you're going to pick off other little things, but that's going to be your first consistent thing. And I think that really speaks to what you're talking about, about you're, you're trying to build new habits. Um, and so you do have to start slowly and you, you can't, you can't build 20 new habits all at once. Mm-hmm. That's not the way that habit building works. Pick one. I do find the bed making one to be a very good one. Uh, the dishes is also a very, very good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, um, one thing that I didn't really touch on was, you know, the the letter writer talked about um, having an ADHD diagnosis. And yes. and with that comes, for a lot of people, um, what we call executive function disorder, the inability to figure out the steps in which to do things. Right. Um, so it... For people who have ADHD um, or other executive function disorders, it's always good to start by listing out what steps you need to do. Because, again, it's all very overwhelming. So for a lot of people, you know, your first step is going to be go find a trash bag or, you know, bring the trash can in or get an empty laundry basket or, you know, really just break things down into steps that make sense for you in order to kind of wrap your head around what the project entails. Um, so that, you know, any of that sort of mental work sometimes feels like you're delaying your project, but it's a very important part of it for very a lot important. of people. The power of writing things down mm-hmm. is not just when it comes to, um, you know, anxiety and depression around cleaning and stuff like that, but really with everything, I mean, I, you know, I wrote about this when I wrote about the grudges. I wrote about this in a thing that's coming up about breakups. Like the power, do not underestimate the power of writing. And actually in the, the hairpin article, the, the, uh, the second thing I told her to do, I was like, okay, now that your bed is made, sit on it and get a pen and a piece of paper, get a pen and a piece of paper and then sit on it. And I was like, and just look around your room and start making a list yep. of all the problems. Yep. You're not doing anything else. This is the action. The actual action is is making your list of the problems. And and so if, you know, if and it's not delaying, I was like, because this is going to be... It's going to feel like delaying. Yeah, it's gonna but feel I was like, like it's it. not. It's actually going to be the most critical thing that you do mm-hmm. as part of this process of getting your room in a state of order. 
Right. And and when she did it, she she did the whole thing and she wrote back afterwards and she let me share all the pictures. pictures. Yeah. There were before and after pictures and she let me share the the experience of it. And she was like, I kind of was going to skip the list part. And I was like, she was like, but I didn't because you told me to. And that was the most critical thing. And I think especially if you're somebody who's who's living with ADHD, um, the the overwhelming feeling of it is a big part of why it's so hard to get going. So I I it's very important to to sit down and sort of outline what you need to do and have that to reference, even if, you know, you could you could do it as sort of a general. OK, this is how you generally clean any room and just write it all down. Get your supplies together. You yep. know, start with start with the trash and the dishes, start with the dirty laundry, you know, work from top to bottom, work in section, however yep. it makes sense for you. Yep. Just listing it out and being able to go back and reference that when you start feeling like you're getting off track, that's a great way to kind of pull you back in. Yeah. It's um, a project plan, basically. It, it is. And, and, and people really, they just want to jump in and get started. Um, and that, that all or nothing mentality is very self-defeating. Yeah. It will not work. It's it will not. not work. We understand the instinct, but we're telling you it will not work. It will not work at all. Um, okay. So we have a little bit more time left. Um, I, I love that you've started with things that don't involve spending money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also really, really important to talk about hiring professionals. Yes. Because professionals can help. Uh, and in this situation, I think probably if, uh, if the finances allow for it, uh, we want to, we want to make room for someone who doesn't, who cannot put the money towards this, um, and offer, options, which is why we started with the things that you can do and enlisting your people. Um, but also really enlisting professionals is can be hugely, hugely beneficial. Um, and um, so we wanted to say it, it is excellent that you've identified, you've already done the research and you know that you have uh, hoarder management resources in your area. It's also even more critical that you know that it's not for you because the way that those businesses are run will trip you. Uh, make you feel embarrassed and humiliated, and that's not going to be what you need. And I've never really understood why they operate that way, to I be honest. No, <laughs> either. Because it seems... It's cruel. It seems cruel. It's cruel uh, and not helpful. And yeah, we don't need to do that. Uh, what I do think will be help for you is to look into a professional organizer. There are professional organizers who specialize in hoarding. They will not show up with hazmat suits. They will not show up with trucks. They will not humiliate you. Professional organizers are fabulous, fabulous, fabulous people. Uh, I wrote an article for the Times at the beginning of the year, um, you know, pegged to, to new, new, new Year, New You, um, about what about what professional organizers actually do. Um, and one of the things that came through, and I interviewed, you know, t- tons of them. They were all wonderful and very, very, very funny people. Um, which, like, you would have to have a great sense of humor for that job. Um, and they do. They also... Uh, this came through in every single interview I did. They have so much compassion and they are so diligent about protecting their clients, about being gentle with their clients, about respecting their clients, about understanding the, the emotional journey that you go on when you hire a professional organizer for anything. I think in this case, a professional organizer, if you have the money for it, um, I, I, I almost wonder if you're health insurance might cover some of it if it because this is obviously a diagnosed mental health issue um, to get you some relief in that in that area if the the money aspect is 
an issue, but I think that the professional organizer is going to be the right path for you. The professional organizer is going to come in and they're going to, they're going to help you do a lot of the cleaning. They're not going to wave the magic wand. It's going to take time, um, but they will help you create a framework for doing it. They also will stay with you after the initial cleanup. Uh, you, I think, are a person who's probably going to need that, that follow-up. Um, someone who stays with you, like a yeah, it's they're, they're, they compared themselves to nutritionists a lot, which was very true. Um, that, you know, if you, this, this might be, I hope that this isn't an unfortunate comparison and it might be, I'm going to acknowledge that. Um, it, I think in a way it can be compared to an eating disorder, um, that after you've recovered from the initial, uh, eating disorder, when you're in it, you, you, it's always going to be with you in some way. And, and you do need to always be aware that you're managing it. Um, or at least being aware that you don't trip back into that behavior. Um, and so I think you can think of a professional organizer um, as being akin to a nutritionist who might work with someone who's got disordered eating issues. I think that's a good way to put it because, you know, the 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 idea of like, a you know, a company that deals with, with cleaning up from hoarding, um, you know, it, that is... It's very it's very intimidating. I, I like I said, I don't see why so many of those businesses operate the way that they do. But when you're dealing with a professional organizer, their priority is is you and your health. You know, both both mentally and physically in your environment. Um, so I, I really do think that if that is an option for you, it's definitely one that you might want to follow through on. And and in the consultation. You know, when you're trying to find the right fit, let them know about your embarrassment issues. Yes. Um, because that's something that they will be sensitive to. Yeah. They and, will protect you. Yeah. They will protect you. And and so not that I think a professional organizer would necessarily come into your space and say something that would humiliate you, but if they know that it's an issue, um, I think that's something that they can work with um very sensitively. Yes. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think if if that is a financial possibility for you, but if it's not, you still do have options. You still have options. <laughs> yes, yes, it, absolutely. I think that's the that is a really important thing to drive home here is that there are options. Um, and I want to say thank you so much for sharing this question mm-hmm. with me. Um, it really took a, just a tremendous amount for you to to send this question and to ask for help. And um, and I, Rachel and I are like just very, very, very proud and impressed. Um, by you. I think this is a good time to wrap up. Um, I think it's time for me to take you to lunch <laughs> to say thank you for this. We this can both stop crying. Yeah, I know, about all crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. I, I, this has been, I think, so important to do this. Um, you know, as I said, uh, when we were starting this off, it's something that I've really put off for a long time because I was scared and nervous. And I'm glad that you pushed me to do it. I, I think it's going to make um, a difference for a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so, too. Um, I hope it's a topic that we continue to explore. I also hope I have you come back to talk yes. about something <laughs> a little less heavy. A little less heavy. Um, <laughs> it feels like laundry school might be the time to do it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm going to definitely put you in touch with the P&G people. Um, and just thank you so much. This was really fun. You guys, check out Rachel's um, website, Unfuck Your Habitat. Check out her books. You got a new one coming, coming out in January. Woo! Yes, I know. It's very exciting. So, yeah, the first book is Unfuck Your Habitat, like yeah. Yeah, like everything else. Um, and then January, I'm going to have a guided journal 
which will be sort of fun. Fabulous. Oh, I'm so glad. Yep, that will be out in January. So take a look at that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear it. Um, Alrighty, so that'll do it for this episode of Ask a Clean Person, the podcast. If you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash askacleanperson and selecting one of the amazing rewards I'm offering to my listeners. I would also love it if you would subscribe on Acast or iTunes, leave a rating, and tell your pals about this weird little cleaning show that you love so much. And of course, thanks to you, my listeners, for joining me for another episode of Ask a Clean Person Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 